0: Thanks for clicking play on the East Lake Tri-Cities Talks podcast. If you're new to this, we're trying to be the best church option for people in the Tri-Cities who aren't typically into church. We hope today's talk inspires you to take next steps in doing life in the way Jesus modeled and taught. If you're ever interested in being a part of one of our in-person gatherings, they take place every Sunday at the Uptown Theater in Richland. Check the website for current times. And regardless of what you look like, who you voted for, or where your tattoos are, we'd love to have you. But for now, here's our most recent talk. Oh, good morning. Welcome to Eastlake. Uh, glad that you're here. If you're watching online or on replay, we're glad that you're tuning in as well. For those of you in person, we are continuing our uh, series uh, part two today of our teaching series, What Gets Left Behind. It's a series on legacy I missed last week, and I'm still recovering from uh, last night as well. It's a, it was a rough night. Uh, as a Zags fan, uh, I have an unspoken prayer request. It's for my health and well-being and uh, all of the things that I said uh, in front of my children and my friends and family and all of that <laughs> Um, didn't mean any of it. It was emotional, um, and I'm glad to be here with you this morning, getting my act together. So that's how we do this. Uh, <clears throat> I was gone last week because um, uh, if you've been a part of ESEC for any length of time, you know March Madness. We do this. I do this annual trip with a bunch of college buddies uh, down to uh, down to Vegas for the opening weekend of the tournament and watch it on the big screens and all that good stuff. And so I was watching last week's talk, the kickoff for this series. In a hotel room on the live stream, like probably many of you are doing right now. And it was the most uh, profitable time of my weekend in Vegas, uh, both because of the content and also the avoidance and the proximity uh, to the Blackjack table. So thank you for that, Ana, who's here today uh, to kick us off and start the conversation on uh, legacy uh, as well. It's uh, for us, and this is, I'm, I promise this is related to the talk, but it was year 15, year 15 years in a row we've been doing this trip, and maybe you have sort of your annual trips and something fun that you guys uh, go and do as well. This is uh, four four friends of mine um, who we just grew up together, and this is our chance to kind of um, be in a room and all we do is sit around and watch basketball and and no kids and no responsibilities and nothing else. It's fantastic. We've added there's four, the core four of us and then there's like every year there's add and subtract a few stragglers along the way. And one of the things that we wished we would have committed to from the very beginning 15 years ago as we were talking about this is, is Number one, uh, never play slots. That would have been fun to kind of think about for 15 years. Number two, more realistically, is we should have taken a picture from year one to year 15. We sat there on this year and we're like, we should do this. We should have done this. We should stand on this bridge overlooking the strip. And for 15 years, we'd have like all of these like body shape changes, hair color changes, all of these uh, differences uh, over it. And we didn't ha- we didn't start it. And so now it's weird to start in in, week- in year 15, but whatever. And we know that someday it won't make sense. Uh, for everyone to continue to participate. Uh, someday something else will take priority. I thought one of the years, a few years ago, my wife's here, I can vouch for this. Um, we had our twins in February and March Madness happens the second week of March. And uh, yeah, I know, I am a <laughs> terrible human being and I had not planned to go on that trip. And, and we said, not this year, cause we, not this year, babe, we have standards and I am gonna be a good dad for twins. And then the Zags got the number one overall first seed in the tournament, the first year that it's ever happened. And, and I'm on a text string with all the guys being like, can't believe you're missing. And they were still going anyways without me. And, um, and she could tell I fell into a deep, dark depression. And it was like a postpartum depression, but had nothing to do with me giving birth to kids. It was all about not being able to go and, and do that. And so she surprised me. and was like, you should go. And it was amazing. And uh, anyways... All that, so we, So even in spite of that, if that doesn't kill this trip, we know at some point, someday, priorities are gonna change and uh, perhaps we, we don't do it anymore. But it didn't happen this year and I'm hoping it won't uh, change uh, next year as well. And, but here's the thing that I realized as we were doing it. if you're gonna pack seven dudes in a hotel room built for four, you better like these people, you know what I mean? You better you better be uh, it better be certain people. You have to be a little bit selective uh, on this. In a in a wonderland or wasteland, depending on your view of, of excess, are these people helpful in keeping me grounded in reality? Is a big thing. One of the reasons that this trip is viable for me uh, as as a pastor, as somebody who has remained married uh, in all of this and uh, all of that, um, is because of who goes. And and you have to be again careful with this. Uh, um, people. They have to check check a couple of boxes. I have to enjoy being around them because, um, you know, seven guys in a hotel room built for four, Um, and uh, they have to have a positive influence on my life. You have people in your life, you enjoy being around them, but they are not a positive influence in your life. Terrible people to go to Vegas with. Uh, you have people who are a positive influence in your life, but you can't stand being around them. Terrible people to go to Vegas with. You gotta check both of these boxes and, and make this thing happen. So that, that's, uh, that's the reality. And so every year at the end, we um, have discussions about people that were added in, like who came this year as an addition beyond the just the four of us. And we'd be like, so what'd you think of this year? Who would you think of who went with us? Did they check both your boxes or do we not extend the invite uh, again next year for them? Um, and it got me thinking about this idea of legacies. We're doing this thing about like the lingering effects of people. Once you've been around somebody and they leave the room, is it like a breath of fresh air or is it you miss them being there, right? Do you have do you have people that you work with that when they call in sick you're kind of like, oh, yeah, that's gonna be a good day at the office right? Or when you pull your car into the parking lot and you see their car is it exciting? Is it like oh good it's gonna be a good a good work day? I want to be the type of person that when people see my car in the parking lot uh, when when they work or when at church or whatever they're like oh good you know so and so's here whatever. I so what are the lingering effects of me? What are the lingering effects? of you. I, I use that term lingering effects because it seems to be this like word that we're associating with COVID quite a bit. Like, oh man, I'm just exhausted all the time. It's like this lingering effect of COVID. And you're like, you were tired and lazy before COVID. Let's be honest with you, right? But we understand, we, we have this idea of um, this is something that has stuck with me. And, and in the same way, I think that kind of your personality, your persona, your image, your legacy, I'm talking about short term in this point, but when you leave, what, what are you leaving behind? Uh, What kind of an aura, what kind of a message, what kind of a feeling uh, do you get? What are the lingering effects of me? What are the lingering effects of you uh, in this? Uh, somebody I, I was reading and studying this, this week about this idea is your legacy is the fragrance of your life that remains when you yourself are not present. I thought that was important because we've we've got those friends who like have a certain smell to them, don't they? It's like, I don't know if it's a cologne or perfume, it's a something. And if you're married to that person or, or uh, live with that person or whatever, you know it especially because they'll go on a long trip and you walk into the closet and you're like, there she is, there he is, right? You can just smell that person on it in the same way. Um, what, what people can tell when you're in the room, when you're absent, what are, they, what are they saying about you when you're gone? What are they saying? What gets left behind when you're no longer in their presence? I put it in the form of two questions for us to kind of, I guess, even take this in, in a more internal sense. Who's better and who is worse because they've come into contact with me? Great question for you to ask, for us to ask. Who's better off and who's worse off because of contact with me? Secondly, what footprints am I leaving and where do they lead? And this is really good if you're a parent or you have people in your life that are younger than you that look up to you for some sort of advice or or I, I wanna be like you when I grow up or you're like the favorite uncle or something like that. What footprints am I leaving and where exactly do they lead? We're all aware of what we call a material legacy. Um, which often comes in the form of some sort of inheritance or will or trust fund or something like that, um, that when when we're absent, when we finally pass or kick the bucket or whatever, here's all my stuff, here's where I want it to go. So it's, it's, it's a reasonable thing. And at some point, you all get to the age where you're like, I need to probably do this. And I'm starting to travel, I've got kids now, life is getting more complex, I actually have something to leave. That's the fun part, right? When you're like, now I have something. Like, don't talk to me when I'm 25, I have nothing. Who wants my baseball cards and my comics? You know what I mean? Uh, Nobody, right? So. But now you're like, now I've got a house with like a little bit of a mortgage that uh, you know there's some equity in that sort of thing. I've got a, a 401k that uh, my business has been doing. I don't know what they're putting money into it, I guess. And so you've got some things. You're like, I've got to kind of get my life in order. And somebody sits down with you, a financial planner, and says, Do you have a will yet? Do you have a something? Do you have a? How are you planning on passing along your legacy? It's important that you and I get this sort of thing right. And and we know that from kind of just living life that that's a priority. That's a, a something. But Here's the thing about, um, from, from uh, uh, like an alternative perspective, yes, that's important, but a core tenet of Christianity is that life is more than materiality, more than just or simply just a materiality, right? And um, that, that Christianity speaks to the idea that, uh, yes, the material is important, and we need to be good stewards of, of opportunities that we have, but there is also a, a paradigm of life, a perspective of life, a thing of life that is transcendent above just what you can see, touch, feel, and hear. Um, that uh, there's like a a dimension of reality, a a moment of transcendence, a yes, this is good, but like it's also there's something better that when you go to a concert, you paid material cash to get a ticket into the concert, but when you're there and you can experience it, there's like you're trying to buy moments of transcendence where life goes beyond this. So you could say, um, with, with who you, maybe it's based on who you're with, or what you're going through, season of life, or perhaps it's a book you read, or a, a, a movie you watch, or whatever, where you go like, this means something more to me. This this uplifts me from this. This is more than just the here and the now. Um, that that life it can be transcendent. There's a there's a different way of experiencing it. And Christianity would say that that's that's definitely true. Um, that that has to do with a, a God who created you, and and you get to you know uh, pursue a relationship with Him, as He's pursuing a relationship with you. And 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 life is is more than just the sum of your acquisitions of stuff. That your your trajectory of life should be uh, better than that. In our best moments, we understand and we feel this. We would say things like life isn't about money; it's about time with friends, it's about time around the family dinner table, it's about holidays with people that you love or whatever. We want this to be true and we kind of need this to be true. So if that's true, if life is more than just simply materiality, and yet um, material legacy is often about stuff, your material will is often about things that is quantifiable, that is tangible, that is this amount of dollars, this amount of equity in the home, this amount of something goes somewhere else what do we do with some sort of a spiritual legacy? What do we do with a spiritual will? A What else are we passing along that isn't tangible, that isn't material? How does this affect our legacy? What if something more can be passed along in this way? So that's been the kind of the direction that I wanted to take in our com- part of the conversation for this series. The idea that a spiritual legacy is an offering of wisdom from one life to another that what I'm passing along to you is not just the keys to this Camaro or whatever, the keys to the house or whatever, but also wisdom from one life to another. It's voluntarily given. It's voluntarily received. There's no coercion or insistence. It's received, reflected, and act upon, or sometimes it's not. And I'm not gonna force you to do this. I'm just telling you, here's what I would love to leave you with. Do with it what you will. Here's what I've learned in life. Here's some wisdom, if you'll have it. The best sort of, um, uh, intangible uh, spiritual will uh, sort of um, legacy comes with this idea of've I think I've got something to offer you on an experience of, of life and perspective and I want to give it to you but you know it's going to be up to you with what you do with it and it's often individual it's rare, people rarely live spirit or rarely give spiritual legacies to the world at large uh, on a talk last week a little about MLK talking about the three dimensions of life, um, exception to the rule. I mean, obviously his spiritual legacy was a, a big deal and, and affects uh, America and, and we're still navigating through that and it was a month whole set aside for appreciation of that and, and, and um, that's a big deal. Um, and uh, but but thats that's rare, right? For the, for the most part, your spiritual legacy is going to be limited to those who share your DNA, or at least people who consider you, so close of a you know of a friend that you're almost like family. Like that, that's the extent of most of our spiritual legacies, and when we sometimes pursue um, this idea of a grander, I want my spiritual legacy to be great. It's we have to remember it's rare in general, even more rare for those who aggressively seek it. Um, it it doesn't really translate all that all that well. So. Spiritual legacy legacy and offering of wisdom from one life to another. Let me define wisdom as I'm trying to kind of illustrate it here. I think wisdom would be this if you're writing down notes or whatever practical knowledge about the nature of the world and how to live well in it. What exactly am I passing along? Wisdom. But what does wisdom mean? It means here's my, in my experience, here's how I think the nature of the world works and how best to live in that. That's essentially what we're trying to pass along to our kids, it's a combination of right priorities and right actions, knowing the relative significance of things, but then also acting responsibly and accordingly to those things. It's about knowledge, but knowledge followed by some sort of knowledge that is informative, that, that encourages them to do something with it, not just knowledge for knowledge's sake, but I'm imparting something to you. Something that says that life isn't about money, it's about this. It's one thing to know, it's another thing to build your life upon, and I'm trying to have you actually do something different with your life. And we'd love, and we say this, and it's kind of simple and it's great. And we've read books and we've seen things, and we've, we've, we've read uh, certain authors who've who closed their books out with sort of this sort of an approach. And we say, oh, that's really good. And we think, um, in practically speaking, if only it was that easy to pass along. It's not as easy as sometimes it sounds. So I would like to spend the rest of our time together in part two of this series, as we continue this conversation, encouraging you to consider writing. Yes, actually. Writing, handwriting, computer, I don't care, that doesn't matter. But you taking time out of a busy week, I know you're busy, we all got things, right? Writing uh, a spiritual will or what I'm gonna call a legacy letter. When it comes to this uh, this idea of legacy I'm writing a letter letter because um, usually letters are written to people which I think is important it's a, f- a format that makes sense it's it's something that uh, when when somebody finds it someday or reads it they'll kind of understand the context and the format of it to kind of communicate the truth on it it creates boundaries for you to be like you know how letters are written you know how this thing sort of works we use legal material wills to disperse money and material things that we have acquired ethical wills disperse our values. So here's my letter for this. My earliest memory of an ethical will or a legacy letter uh, come, came from a song that was, that was popular in 1999. So this is funny because he mentioned that in the video, 1999. So if you were born around like 99, 2000, I was 2001, this song might resonate with you. If you're before this or after this, I asked this in first service, nobody knew what the song was, but there was a song that came out by Boz Scaggs called Everybody Should Wear Sunscreen or, or Wear Sunscreen or something like that. I'm going to play it for you because this is second service. I got a little bit more time on my hands than I do in first service trying to get them out. We're not going to play the whole thing. It's five minutes long. I'm not going to waste your life like that. But once you hear this first part, perhaps it'll ring true or you'll at least get a glimpse of what legacy letter sort of looks like. So Phil, if you would.
1: Ladies and gentlemen of the class of 99, wear sunscreen. Read the directions, even if you don't follow them. Do not read beauty magazines. They will only make you feel ugly. Get to know your parents. You never know when they'll be gone for good. Be nice to your siblings. They're your best link to your past and the people most likely to stick with you in the future. But trust me on the sunscreen.
0: That's it. I played that for my daughter in the car on the drive yesterday. We were driving out there. I was like, You haven't heard this yet? And she's like, No. It's like, Listen to all of it, especially the Respect Your Elders part. Like, you know, it's it, but that, that, I remember that song being like, that was, it was just insightful. It was like different from what everything else that we'd heard on the radio. We were passing around CDs that we would make with songs on it. I remember like the CD that this was on. It was just, it was it an was inspirational thing. It's a legacy letter. It's somebody offering this advice. And yeah, it's a little bit general, but this kind of thing, this kind of attitude, this kind of approach shows up in scripture as well. You've got um, Jacob, uh, he's got 12 sons in the Genesis chapter 49, and he, and he stands, he's about to die, he brings them all in. He says, hey, I wanna to talk to you, give you some blessings and curses uh, based on kind of how you lived and who you are as my, my children. And unfortunately, it's a really sad one because most of them are curses. You were awful, you get nothing. Uh, you're terrible, you get nothing. You were kind of okay, you get something, right? It's a really bizarre sort of thing. Um, Jesus at the last supper with his disciples is almost kind of a legacy letter of sorts. He brings them in. He says, hey, you've heard a lot of things. You've heard me say a lot of things. Tomorrow, like things are gonna change here. And I I want you to remember, if you remember one thing about me, um, I, I want you to remember me washing your feet, even though I'm the teacher and you're the, you're the student. And, and that sort of uh, flipping of expectations of people in power aren't supposed to do this sort of thing. You, you not so with you. You do something different. You go live this out. You live in this way. I mean, that's a, that's a legacy letter. That's a, I'm bequeathing wisdom to you. I'm not giving you any sort of material possessions because life is more than materiality. What I'm giving you is a perspective on life, a wisdom that I hope that you get. If you respect me in any way, learn from me, learn from my mistakes. Give me give me something to go. So. There one more example I want to show you. It shows up in the book of Acts. Paul writes his own legacy letter. It's in the, uh, chapter 20 of, uh, of Acts, and here's what he says. Um, he, he's, he's in a place called Miletus. He sends to Ephesus for these elders of this church. He's, he's been planting these churches, been traveling, doing these things, and when they all arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you? From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears in the midst of severe testing uh, by the plots of my Jewish opponents. He goes on, you know that I've not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I've declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going I'm to go to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. and My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace, of the gospel of God's grace. Now, I know that none of you have Whom I've gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. This is the last time you're going to see me. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Verse 28, keep watch over yourselves. And this is where he gets into like this practical, don't forget to wear sunscreen sort of stuff. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock uh, which the Holy Spirit made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard, head on a swivel, guys. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you, night and day with tears, now I commit you to you to God and to the world uh, to the word of his grace which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I've not coveted anybody's silver or gold or clothing. Didn't want anything from you. You yourselves know that. These hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions and everything I did I showed you that by this kind of hard work we must help the weak. And he finishes with this, Um, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, who said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and they kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. And then they accompanied him to his ship. This is his letter. This is his moment my departing words of advice. And it doesn't have to be uh, waiting until the end of something for him. It was like, I have an opportunity. If I've meant anything to you, listen to what I have to say. Here's some, here's some thoughts about wh- where you're currently at and the status of this church and existence and all that kind of stuff. But notice what Paul's kind of flavor is. It's, he doesn't claim to have the final word on anything. It's just simply a word, a stake in the ground that expresses for somebody else's benefit or pleasure what he believes to be important. There's a man named Alexander uh, Solzhenitsyn excuse me, um, who uh, wrote a book called The Gulag Archery uh, Pelago, Um and it's a kind of a testament or a diary of life spent in the Soviet gulag run by like Stalin concentration camps. Um, similar time frame uh, around which we, we know a little bit more about what happened in Auschwitz and in Nazi Germany. These, this one was... Just as bad, and, and and really potentially even worse. Although our knowledge of what came out of that is a lot less, and so we're not as repulsed by it as perhaps when we think of the word Auschwitz. But um, in this, he's he's talking about the depraved nature of humanity, and he's writing this as kind of a, I don't know if this will ever get out to the world. This whole this whole uh, this book. It's a really a series of three books um, about his time there, what he saw, what life was like in there, and if this ever gets out to the world. Here's what I want the world to know uh, about l- life and humanity in this, that in this, in this t- terrible terrain of existence, that, that like, life still has some sort of a hope with it. He, he writes this in his legacy letter. What about the main thing in life, all of its riddles? If you want, I'll spell it out for you right now. Don't pursue what is illusory, property and position. All that is gained at the expense of your nerves decade after decade and is confiscated in one fell night. Live with a steady superiority over life. Don't be afraid of misfortune. Do not yearn after happiness. Whom should you envy and why? Our envy of others devours us most of all. Rub your eyes, purify your heart, and prize above all else in the world, those who love you and wish you well. From the depths of the prisons of the gulag, he writes, make sure you love and prize those uh, who love you and wish you well. Every time you're with them, treat them with the same tenderness as you would were you to never see them again, for such might in fact be the case, which indeed was the case in you know uh, Nazi Germany and in Russia during that time, is less of, an, uh, less of a potential reality for us. And yet... Again, I could play the role of the pastor who's like, you never know what tomorrow's gonna bring for your life, right? You never know on the drive home. You're like, oh my gosh, like this is, uh, raise your hand, or this is the, the moment, right? But the, but the reality is, I mean, that's kind of true. We, 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 we're never sure on, on this thing. We should, what if, what if in these moments of legacy, it causes us to provide some clarity in the situation for where we are actually at and what we do truly value in these moments that make life Worth living. A couple of thoughts uh, to, if I had to come up with like bullet points for this. I, I believe that everybody has a story worth telling. This is a continuation of um, what Anna said last week, too. In fact, she mentioned uh, her nine year old saying something about, uh, you know, th- that uh, our stories or our legacies, like the rubric of our life, where this is what we're measured by and all this kind of thing. If you remember that slide, the word rubric showed up. And I thought to myself as I was watching, I was like, I don't even know what rubric, I'm like, you know, I've got probably 90% of my friends at East like right now, pulling out their phones going, Siri, what is rubric, could you explain rubric? <laughs> and of course, honest nine-year-old nails it perfectly. Anyways, the idea behind that and this is a continuation of it. Everybody has a story worth telling, you have a story worth telling, everybody has the right to tell it and everyone has the responsibility to pass along their wisdom. You have a story, you're like, ah, I'm not that important. You, but yes, but you have people who look up to you. You have influence. You have people who will listen to you based on their genetic sequencing and or just place in life or whatever, that you, your words will mean more, will weigh more than other people's words. You have a story that's worth telling. You have a right to be able to tell it. And you do have a responsibility and I have a responsibility to pass it on. We do not get the choice at this. I heard a pastor once talk about like this idea of I have a cup that has been filled, that's my life. My life experiences, everything that I've learned, everything that, of, of who I am is in this cup. I have a responsibility to empty out my cup into the lives of the people that I love. I don't have a responsibility to fill their cup. There is no way that I can comprehensively fill their cup, but I have a responsibility to do what I can to empty my part of it. That's what I have to do. That's how I have to live. So a legacy letter gives you a chance to say at an appropriate distance what is sometimes difficult or impossible to say face to face. You can express carefully in writing things that might come out all wrong if it was trying to be spoken. So you're like, friend, do you actually want me to write something? I do. I want you to take some time and write things down. I'll just say it. That's fine. I mean, sometimes you're comfortable with it. In my family, we uh, defer too much to when it, things get serious. We turn uh, humor as our defense mechanism, right? And my wife can testify to this. It would be like, we get cynical, we get sarcastic, we just like, "ha, you know whatever, just to try and defuse it, and move on to like Gonzaga next year, or something like that, right? Um, so so writing these things down with with the piece of, of no, no voices, no responsibilities, but just like for a moment going, what what is really important to me? What do I?" I have a responsibility to pass something along to people that I love. What is that going to be? And and putting this down in this way, because going, well, I'll just wait for the timing to be right to be able to have, it'll be Thanksgiving dinner. Everything's gonna be great. Everything's gonna be, Father, would you like to, would you wish to share anything? And you're like, that's never gonna happen, guys. It's never gonna happen, right? A legacy letter says, here's what I think that I've learned, not here's the final truth for all of the ages. It's best written in a spirit of confident humility I'm confident because I really do think I have something to say. I'm humble because I don't think it's the end all, and I think that your experiences are different. And you know, you got to live your own life. And again, I'm humbly offering this to you. Um, what you do with it is kind of be up to you. And, and I don't think I'm always right. I think that um, there's you know, life is difficult, and there's still very much a bunch that I don't know. Um, so, a couple of questions. And like, if I if I was in your position, and I, I'm sitting there arms crossed like that, I don't write things, dude. Um, Get at that. Uh, I think a natural kind of, yeah, but what about would be, well, when is the best time to write a legacy letter? And the answer to that is just now. Like, don't, you don't have to be like, well, I'll write one when I'm sick and, and dying, and, and this would be like, I'm taking care of my will and i write writing a legacy letter. Again, you just don't know. And, and write one now. And then another answer to that question is again later. There's nothing that's saying you've already written one, you never have to do this again. In fact, write one, and then five years from now, go back and read it and be like, man, I was. what was I thinking back then? I didn't know anything about life. Life kicks you in the butt. You learn, you, you go on, and now I've got a new perspective on this. And don't throw that old one away. Like, keep it. It's great. More things that are important. Revisions are allowed. Better yet, leave it as a record of a particular time and write another one. Nobody's gonna be shocked that life caused you to change your mind here and there. Another question. Wh- how should I begin? What do I, what do I start with? What do I, I don't know. Here, here's a quick phrase. Dear loved one, I would like to share some things that mean a lot to me, and that I hope will be helpful to you. What is that? Confident humility. Confident humility. I have something to say. Humble enough to know it's not the answer to everything. I came across an example this week. Another. Uh, this is um, this is somebody who who uh, wrote one to his wife, um, and it's not anybody famous. It's it's nobody. I didn't even I didn't even reference it in this. And I, I'm I'm bringing this to you not to be like. Hey, write the, just do this one. Please, don't plagiarize somebody else's legacy letter. That would be like the lowest form of plagiarism ever. And if your kids ever found out, like, it was really meaningful until I found out that Brent talked about the exact same one. That would be a really disappointing day. All right. This is one from Bill to Tess. Tell the kids to love peace and reconciliation and to work toward it. I learned that from Martin Luther King Jr. Tell them to choose the way of Jesus because it offers the best way to live, not because it offers the easiest way to eternal life. I learned that from William Stringfellow. See, he's, he's got this format. He's doing a tell them to do this. I learned that from here. This is, this is how, it's a good format. Tell them to find Christ in all things. I learned that from St. Ignatius. Tell them to find meaning in the Eucharist or communion. I learned that from the Plymouth Brethren, the Episcopalians, and finally from Bishop Oscar Romero. Tell them to embrace our culture, loving what is creative and life-giving, but naming what is seductive, diseased, and immoral. I learned that from Father John Stadenmeyer. Tell them that fidelity in love and faith is honorable and that it is possible even in a culture that teaches that nothing can be permanent. I learned that from Father John Cavanaugh. Tell them that God is a preferential option for the poor. I learned that from our brothers and sisters in Latin America. Tell them to learn, to expand their experiences and their minds. I learned that from first from my parents and then from many educators, professors, pastors, and friends who've pushed and challenged me. Tell them that I love them and tell them that I love you. Love Bill. Like that, it's simple. There's a formula. It works. Once you get the first few done, it flows. It's good. It makes it happen. You, I, we need to write letters like this. Not exactly this, your own words throughout our lives, multiple times on various topics and occasions and to various people, both for their benefits so that they know truly. Because how many times have you met somebody who just wishes one more time they could go back and hear their mom or their dad look at them or read them something and say that they love them? Like that's a critically important thing. But also perhaps more importantly for you and for me, as we attempt to clarify what it is that is important to us, what it is that is our bit of wisdom, what it is about our lives that is not just materiality, but transcends that, that is something more, that is worth passing along, that is worth emptying out into this. So the plan is this. I want you to write a legacy letter. Now, some of you, I just wound you up, set you down, you go, and it's good to go, right? Some of you are like really good, so like like how? Like I know you just gave me the first line, but like I'm gonna need more than that. All right, so here's my plan. This week, uh, I'm gonna take some time and put together a a like a little homework thing. I don't do a lot of homework here. If you're new to East Lake, you're like, oh, dude, I did not sign up for more homework. I know, um, but this is really important and uh, I'm gonna make it really easy for you to, to make this happen. And then when you're done writing the Legacy, throw away the homework so the kids later on in years past don't be like, they just circled seven things about what's different words for love and then put them all together and Brent helped them. You don't have to let them know that at all. So. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna do this uh, next week. You're gonna get a thing, and you're gonna hear um, from my dad next week, who's gonna close out this series. Because um, in terms of legacy, I've had a chance to have a front row seat to a life of uh, somebody who was in full time ministry for forty years, twenty five years at the same church, who just transitioned out, who has been reflecting and living out what its legacy looked like as somebody else. Takes the thing that he's built and kind of runs with it. Uh, and, um, you know, legacy is a hard thing to talk about even when you're almost 40 like me, uh, because there's some of you who are 50, 60, 70 and be like, life hasn't kicked your butt yet, bro. Just wait, just hold on a little bit more. Like, there's something about life. And, and, and so, anyways, All that to say, um, he's going to bring an interesting perspective uh, on on that, I think, for us next week. And I will have an extra tool to kind of help you move along with this. We'll make this available online and and perhaps via the app as well to make it accessible for those of you watching online or on on, uh, delay or on replay. Uh, But again, you don't have to wait for me. You can start it on your own. But here's the reality. Here's what I want you to walk away remembering from today. Everyone has a story worth telling. Everyone has the right to tell it. And everyone has the responsibility to pass along wisdom. And everybody should wear sunscreen too. That's right. Father, our prayer is that you would help us remember this, that we would live lives um, that are worth writing legacies about and that this tool, this practice, this endeavor would help begin to shape and clarify what it is that's important to us and what we need to um, pass along. Give us, give us the wisdom to know what to do with this. It act on in your name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you've got more questions about the church or community group options for connecting with East Lakers outside of Sunday mornings, I'd encourage you to check out our website, EastLakeTriCities.com, or better yet, download our app by searching East Lake Tri-Cities in your favorite app store.